welcome to the Let the Games Begin podcast. Today, you'll be hearing an interview I got the chance to do with Petros Papadikis. He played running back at USC and then transitioned to the media side of sports, working as a sideline reporter for Fox Sports, covering high school football, announcing games, covering college football as well. Also, he's hosted shows like The Challenge on NBC and Pros vs. Joe's, and he's been in the LA sports radio scene for multiple decades, currently with the Petros and Money Show. In the interview, he discusses his playing career and the shift to sports media, the landscape of high school football in California, and he gives some great advice to those interested in playing or covering sports at a high level. Lastly, to avoid confusion, just keep in mind this interview was recorded back in April after the modern day versus St. John Bosco game, which Petros called. So, enjoy. All right, I'm now here with Petros Papadikis, Fox Sports, works with college football, high school football in California, Pac-12 mainly, and the host of the Petros and Money Show on iHeartRadio. How are you doing today, man? I'm fabulous, and thank you for having me. Appreciate cool it. posters. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that, too. So last night, you were covering the Modern Day and St. John Bosco game. Yeah. Do you, do you see anything changing in like the California or this league and high school football, or is it just going to be them too for the foreseeable future? Or is there changes you think? Well, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting. If you think about the onset of the Trinity league, a few, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago now, maybe a little less than that. Uh, the first team to ever win the Trinity league was orange Lutheran with a quarterback named Aaron Corp. And then you look at the last, you know, eight years and it's just been those two. And then Servite, I think, uh, in the back end with uh, the Cody Fajardo team. And it's, uh, it is interesting. Look, when I was a kid, I would go to the Banning versus Carson game. Uh, the city, believe it or not, of Los Angeles, city football specifically those two was the biggest game going and in East LA it was Roosevelt Garfield Mike Garrett and uh, legends like that things moved north and south you know Oaks Christian became a thing St. John Bonaventure became a thing and then to the south uh, modern day has always been a thing Servite uh, Bosco uh, which is sort of a gateway town in LA and bellflower it's it's always cycling and changing and it's you know the the more i do football over the years especially at schools and i don't do as much high school football maybe i will in the future uh for years i've just been coming around to do the championships and uh you know the the specialty season most of the time i'm traveling in the big 10 the big 12 or or like you mentioned the, the Pac-12, you know, whatever's in the Fox college football footprint. And uh, I, I really do, uh, the more I work at schools and kind of deal with them, you realize it's just, it's just like anything. It's just more about the people that are there, you know. So as long as Jason Negro's at Bosco, they're going to be relevant because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, and people want to play there and compete against each other and develop there. And obviously the same goes for modern day, although they go about it a little bit differently. 
but there's always going to be contenders and that's the fun part about it. But I got, I got to be honest with you, Carver and all those games that we went to when I was a kid and, and all the, when I was a water boy for rolling Hills high and all the different games I've done uh, throughout my life, it's hard to imagine a more complete collection of talent on any football field at that level on earth, if that makes sense. And I'm not really a big hyperbole guy, but I just, I, I think back and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's just kind of hard to imagine anybody being better <laughs> at this point, you know? And then the coach stands up for them too. He was getting on those refs yesterday. You guys have been too. Yeah. You know, I, for me, uh, and I, you know, I'm not really a play-by-play guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a football analyst in real life and uh, and I like the refs, everybody, you know, I like everybody, but to me, those kids are out there competing for the ball and nothing egregious. I mean, they're the best of the best. They're five stars. They do this seven on seven stuff all year long where they're very physical. And all of a sudden we get in a football game and they're in pads and a bunch of flags are flying around. And it, you know, in a lot of ways, it really set the game back. Uh, I think modern day beat, beat Bosco. I don't have any, you know, qualms about that. I think they outplayed Bosco, but I, I did think the officials uh, were a little bit more involved than they needed to be. You spoke about like seven on sevens. There's some debate about people say some coaches are like, oh, I don't think you should do seven on sevens because it doesn't like translate well. Some people are like, you should do it. It'll help you compete. It'll get you connections. What do you think about seven on sevens? Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, it seems to be in some ways a necessary evil, but the more people are looking at stuff with uh, different players at all different positions, I think it's more beneficial to play a different sport. I mean, I, I think it's more beneficial to play baseball or basketball, especially run track for the skill guys, uh, big guys, shot put, discus, uh, different stuff, rugby, people are doing lacrosse, people getting more popular. I think that kind of stuff is more beneficial than, you know, going to specialty football stuff. The connections part of it, you know, that that's, I mean, I'm not saying don't do seven on seven. We had seven on seven in the summer when, when I was a high school football player in the early nineties, you know, but I mean, the truth of the matter is it's not real football. It's never going to be real football. Being good at seven on seven doesn't necessarily mean you translate in paths. And everybody knows that. Uh, so as long as you go into it with that knowledge, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I, I think there's better ways for athletes, young athletes, to occupy their time. I mean, we're just finding out more and more that uh, people that play more multiple sports get hurt less. They are just more well-rounded. And uh, I think that that's where uh, things are going. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's good. That's a good trend. All right. And then, so do you see like big landscape changes in high school football, like in the nineties when you played it, what's the biggest difference today? Well, the rise of the private schools, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, Loyola was kind of a big deal. Uh, on Venice, you know, Loyola Cubs, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, all boys school, you don't ever wonder where, where's all the girls this weekend? And they, 
some guy named Wolf at a party in Pasadena. It's like, what the, where the hell, what? You know, the Loyola guys, you know, because there's no girls there. So they just sit around and fart on each other and make plans about the weekend. Very difficult for public school types like me. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Loyola. Guys, you go there, yeah. Yeah, Loyola was recruiting. Uh, there was, you know, and it was not, you know, a big time practice, but Loyola called me when I was a player and I considered it, you know, and they were kind of a big deal private school, but, you know, how many kids can go there? I mean, most kids when I was young played where you grew up. And I guess that would be the biggest difference. Uh, we'll take a couple players from the area I live in as an example uh, that are relatively fresh in people's minds. Uh, there's a tailback at Washington named Sean McGrew, who was at Moscow, broke a bunch of records. I think he was the hundred champ for the state. Tiny guy. And he, he plays at Washington though, and he scores touchdowns and he gains yards as one of their running backs. And he was just electric at the high school level. And he played at Moscow. Well, if it was 1991, he'd have played at West Torrance. Uh, Josh Rosen from Manhattan Beach, he'd have been at Maricosta. You know, instead, those guys are driving, you know, three freeways, <laughs> the 110 to the 91 to the 605 to the 105, you know, or the, you know, just to get to a school at Bellflower to play football. And I think that, you know, not that that didn't exist when I was younger, but it's much more prevalent with many more. The best player on the hill here where I live plays at Bosco and doesn't get on the field, but he just wants to be on tape at Bosco and competing against the guys at Bosco. And he'll get an offer doing that probably more easily than he will playing with the kids up here that he grew up with. And in many ways, that's unfortunate, but competitions for scholarships and the money involved is as such where that's kind of the nature of it now. I don't know where it's going next. Uh, to answer your earlier question, you know, it's hard to imagine it changing right now, though I'm sure it will. <laughs> and so you talked about guys super talented going to Boston, going to these schools, but not everyone makes it. You've played high school and division one college. So aside from like physical gifts and skill, what's the biggest difference between high school and college players? Like what separates that? Well, uh, probably just ability to manage your time and your talent and grow. I mean, I, I was a really good high school football player, but it shocked me at the next level. And I hear this a whole bunch about the NFL too. Um, uh, although the jump from high school to college is a bigger jump because the complexity of the game is, is a lot more, I guess, just like drinking out of a fire hose, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I, I shocked two things shocked me at the college level, just how much they were going to demand of me physically. Uh, as far as like, we're going to do that many sprints, Jesus, you know, stuff like that. And you, you know, you really, you surprise yourself with your ability. You, know, you become a freaking beast, you know? Uh, and uh, that surprised me. And to be honest, just how pissed off everybody was 
at the ball carrier. You know, like I, I remember, you know, cause I was really fast, believe it or not. And most guys, you know, in high school, if you're fast, you know, you try to find an edge uh, every once in a while. And I, I remember doing that. One of my first carries at SC and pads and practice and just the sound, you know, of the, the feet and the look in the eyes of the guy, they, they wanted him to kill me, you know, and uh, they just ran me out of bounds, you know, into the yard mark. Jeez. Like, wow, you know, they're fast, you know, so you have to come to a point where, and it's a cliche now, all the analysts use it, but it's really a running back term, which is, you know, put your foot in the ground and go upfield. I mean, you have to take it to them. And, you know, as the levels of football raise up, the more you have to like really attack people to be successful, you know, in whatever way you play the game, you know, it might be attack people, you know, uh, with moves, you know, on the edge or, you know, uh, some kind of way that you work your hands or, you know, with your freaking forehead, you know, uh, but you really got to be aggressive at that level. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, we have these big 300 pound guys and it was that way in my day, you know, and sometimes that guy in high school, you know, he's six, five, 300 pounds. He leans on a guy and the play's over, but at the next level, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get really angry and fight, you know, then that guy's not going to play, not going to be very good. So I guess those would be the, the two major differences. What is something you wish you knew? Like now, all your, uh, all your wisdom, you look back, you tell your high school, college self as an athlete, what's one thing you would tell yourself? Oh, <laughs> one thing? As many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to just start writing a list of the bad decisions I've made in my life. Uh, you know, when I was a football player, and I hate to sound like an old guy, but I'm, I'm getting older, you know, uh, there was no social media. There was, uh, it was a, the vibe at USC was very penitentiary-like. You know, I got in 12 fist fights, you know, my first spring there. I was a white tailback. Uh, you know, I became the captain of the team, but, you know, it was, it was a war and I don't really know what I tell myself, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, don't take all the pills they made you take, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, we made a lot of bad decisions, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's part of being a, a young person and growing up as well, but I mean, being in college football all these years and seeing the way it's changed from the way we approach players, the way the game is approached, uh, the way we, uh, the way we tackle, you know, what's a good play uh, in, in my time is now, you know, borderline murder. So, uh, you know, being in it all these years and watching it change, I, I don't really know what I'd tell myself. I just maybe ask myself to take better care of myself. Uh, but, you know, we're very reckless people, football players, and that's probably why in a perfect world, the sport doesn't exist. And there's a reason for it. I mean, there's a split second in time that all the stuff you've done, your whole identity is over. And, you know, that happened to me. I had a debilitating injury. I played one more year with it, but 
you know, and that's not a unique story. You know, it's not like, oh God, you know, I'm so, look what happened to me. I mean, it happens to everybody uh, that played. It's not if, it's when. So uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's not much to say about what it is other than it's, you know, it's there, it's part of our identity you know, and you don't really think about tomorrow uh, when you're playing and uh, and when you're living your life as a player. That's why so many football players do so many stupid things in public. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been trained to respond with violence from when he was 13, 12, nine years old, and he's good at it. You know, he's good at being violent. He's good at getting pissed off, you know, uh, and you know, that's, that's a conundrum about the sport. I mean, the sport reveals a lot of great things about character and all that, but, you know, it also creates a lot of really angry feelings. I guess if I, now that I'm talking my way through it, Carver, I guess I'd just tell myself to calm down. <laughs> Too much testosterone. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a lot oh. of that going on. You talked about your injury and it kind of basically derailed your career. So how important is it for athletes to like focus on like their life after the sport, like your sport football, it consumes your life, especially if you're at that level for years. And then with an injury, it could just end and you transition well, really well to media, but how important is it for athletes to make, be able to make that transition to life after? Well, I don't want you to get misunderstood about me, you know, mostly everything in my life, including my football career and my media career. I'm backed into, you know, I, it just kind of fell on my head, <laughs> you know, and uh, I feel very fortunate. Now, I've worked hard to maintain it and all that, but I never really wanted to play college football, believe it or not. And I never really wanted to be uh, on TV. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not that good looking of a guy. Uh, every time I take a picture, everybody makes fun of me. Uh, but, you know, I have, you know, figured something out, uh, but that's kind of what I like about and what I really respect about certain coaches, especially, and most all the guys that coach at the high school level and a high level in Southern California, because it's not the guy that signs with USC or LSU or Ohio State or Texas or even Oregon State or Washington, you know, that's those, that's great. And those guys were going anyway, probably, right? But it's the other 10 guys that go to Southern Utah, Western Oregon, Austin P, you know, get a chance. You know, most nobody's going to play in the NFL. And let me tell you, you know, and if you do, God help you. Because, look, I got a lot of friends who played in the NFL, a lot of dear friends. And it's not always the best thing for him. You know, uh, it, it's really not. And it, it's, it's a rough life uh, to play the sport. The longer you play it the rougher your life gets. And, you know, that's a real thing. So it's really not about the next level. It's about college, you know, and it's about, you know, getting out of wherever you were for a lot of these guys and finding a way in life. Every single guy I knew at USC to a man who barely showed up at school like me, but did it, you know, and figured it out and graduated and all that. You know, they got jobs, they're married, they have kids, they have a family, they have a life, they have, you know, they're proud. 
Um, and that's the goal. You know, when the kids are all playing in a high school game and we got it on TV, the goal is to get them to the next level, not so they can play in college and get to the NFL, so they can use the college experience to get a better life for themselves. And that goes for me. And I grew up in a big house because my dad owned a popular restaurant, you know, but playing football in college made a better life for me uh, after college. And it had nothing to do with playing in the NFL. I don't even work in, you know, I, I've spent a life working in football and I don't really do pro football or talk about it much. I respect it. I think it's the, the highest, it's the, the, the level of the game is so high that it's mind numbing in some ways for an analyst. Uh, and also very easy to analyze in a lot of ways because of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, for me, it's just about kids getting on in life and getting to the next thing and getting a better situation. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't have that mindset though. They're just like, they don't think like that. Well, that's part of the problem, you know, and when I was the captain at SC, you know, I was a freaking mess of a person, you know, but I, I would tell guys, you know, guys that wanted to go back to a JC or I don't like to coach or I'm, you know, transferring in my time, even though I did it, uh, was a different deal, but, you know, I'd say, dude, don't, you know, I'd always tell people, and I told people this from when I was a player to now is use this place back use the place back. They're using you. You're, you know, you're making money for them. You're part of this brand. They will spit you out when they're done. That's what it's like. You know, it feels weird when you're done with college. They can't use you anymore for anything, you know, unless you won the Heisman there and those are generational players, you know, but you got to find a way to use the place back. You got to find a way to make it work for you too. You know, I know guys that didn't play it down. One of our starting quarterbacks lost his job to Carson Palmer. He didn't transfer out. He stayed an extra year and made SC pay for business school. You know, he's a multimillionaire businessman in Australia now. You know, there, there, there's a way to do it. And, you know, look, a lot of guys fall by the wayside, like you're saying. A lot of guys, you know, I want to get that money. It's all about getting to the next level. And, okay, you get to the next level. You play two years in the NFL – you make a couple million dollars, you're 25 years old and then it's over. You know, that's the average 26, 27, it's over. You know, what are you going to do now without the whole college foundation? So that's the important thing. And, you know, it really is a, it's, it's hard to get it through everybody's head. Yeah. You, but you did use the college to the advantage with the radio getting into that. How hard was that transition to the other side of sports? Uh, it was, you know, it was weird for me. I mean, I, I was the, I was an English and American lit major at SC. So, and back in those days, the newspaper was more prevalent. So I liked writers and, uh, you know, so they wrote stories about me and I, I was weird. You know, I dressed weird as a white tailback, I have a weird name. Uh, I, you know, I was eccentric. Uh, so, uh, I became familiar with the media in that way, but it never really occurred to me to, uh, you know, make a career out of it. it you know, I, I always thought of the media guys as cheesy and, you know, just like all the other players, especially back then, I, 
I hated the press, you know. Uh, I used to tell people that when I started doing it, you know, I felt like a football player impersonating, you know, a media guy and not doing a very good job of it. And now I feel like a media guy impersonating a football player, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, the transition wasn't easy. It's just like anything else. You know, you it's a muscle that you have to work. And once I figured out that, especially with radio, uh, TV's different, you know, TV's much more production oriented, as I'm sure you understand. You know, radio is, you know, if it ain't coming from the host, then you ain't got a show. You know, you could have the greatest show in the world with a fucking mannequin as the host on TV. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you have great production. Uh, radio is the opposite. You know, your host has to be somebody that draws people because of the long form uh, nature of it and the personable nature of it. You know, you're with people every day in their lives. So uh, once I figured out that radio was just kind of like, I, I didn't have to sound like any of these guys, you know, uh, then I was able to really start growing and improving. And I'm 43 and I'm still improving. You know, I'm still finding ways you know, sometimes to challenge myself and do things that are uncomfortable and, you know, try to get better. But, but once I figured out that, you know, I could do it different, you know, I started to do it different. And uh, some people really liked it and some people didn't, but, you know, it's grown from there for, uh, I mean, since 2001. <laughs> so uh, 20 years, yeah. And it's changed a lot, but uh, I'm proud of the radio stuff because I try to be as honest as possible, you know, and, and that's gotten way past the point of, you know, let's argue about who's the NBA MVP. It's like, who, who cares, you know, or was that a foul, you know, you know, I mean, it's a sports show, but I don't know, maybe I have delusions of grandeur, but to me, it feels like something, you know, a little bit beyond, you know, what you normally hear uh, in that genre. And I'm proud of that. So is that because you mix in like humor or like bring all the energy? Is that you think? I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's what it's become, you know, like uh, I've worked at it, you know, like I'm still right, you know, like I, you know, I write all weekend. I sit here and write. I don't use it all. I don't, you know, so, sometimes I don't use any of it, but, you know, I'm constantly trying to find ways to be inspired. Uh, and a lot of it is very obscure for people. You know, you know, when I talk about the news in Jamaica, you know, it's odd for people, but it's, be, you know, a few hundred thousand people will download it, you know, and it's like, why, you know, they, these are people that are normally downloading stuff, you know, to hear, you know, uh, about Aaron Donald or something, you know, and I, you know, I'm doing like a film noir report on a movie from 1956, you know, why do people want to hear that? Uh, I, you know, and I just keep pushing and trying to do just stupid stuff, you know, dig up weird performers from the seventies, you know, and the more and more I've figured it's like, if I act interested in something that it, to some people, it's interesting. <laughs> and it's been very freeing for me, liberating because, you know, I don't have to wake up in the morning necessarily 
and go on to ESPN.com or something and be like, okay, well, you know, today's the trade deadline, you know, uh, we can be a little, I'm sure there's some of that, but we can be a little bit more, you know, uh, we just set the boundaries a little bit further out and that makes it, uh, a little bit better for me. I don't think I could do the job if, if I, if somebody asked me to do it conventionally, I, I don't think I could do it. So I like mentioned the energy you bring. Is that just something natural in your personality? Is it always there? Or it's like, you were, all right, I got to turn it on for the TV show or the radio show. You know, uh, in some ways, I mean, how old are you? I hate to ask young people that because I'm just asking it to relate with myself. 17. 17. Okay. <laughs> You're big. You got a big, deep voice, man. You're young. Uh, like when I started getting confident and really kicking ass on the radio and like grabbing the mic and freaking out, I was like 25, you know, uh, when I really started to get it going. And now in some ways, it's like I'm doing an imitation of myself at 25 when I'm on air. You know what I mean? Um, I do like conference calls with coaches zoom like this you know all around the country and i've been doing it a long time you know people know me or whatever you know and uh a coach will be like god you know i can't believe how calm you are <laughs> and i'm like well you know i i don't just walk around acting like a fucking jackass all day but you know that's what people i mean i i, I shouldn't be surprised you know that that's i mean i do i seem like crazy with you maybe a little bit talkative I don't know but you know like that's the natural way I learned to perform you know and also I have a list so it's easier for me to talk loudly and hide my lisp because my tongue is too big for my mouth you know there's a lot of things wrong with me that would preclude me from actually being a broadcaster you know <laughs> uh, but it's worked out in many ways but no the energy thing it's always something you know that i guess i've been able to kind of turn on when the show starts it's never like i never really feel like i have to like go in the bathroom and look in the mirror like marky mark in a boogie nights and go like come on you can do it you know like it's just it naturally happens i've been grateful for that for a long time i think it's great i mean like I'd rather watch a show, a sports show, someone just like just ranting. Sometimes just listen to like some local sports radio and just hear a random guy just like screaming than people just being monotonous and listing stuff off. Yeah. I mean, and the, you know, it, that's changed a lot. You know, when I was your age, you know, the radio in many ways was just for information. You know, uh, uh, you went on the sports radio because that's the guy that had the latest information. You know, let's say, Clayton Kershaw or somebody got scratched and wasn't going to make the start because he tweaked his back while he was warming up. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that the only place you're going to learn that is on the radio or at seven ten when the broadcast comes on the air on the radio or on TV, if it's on TV, not all the games were on TV back then. So uh, it was much more informational and you were like a newsman, you know, but once all the information was on everybody's phone, uh, it changed. You know, uh, you, you know everything I know the second everything comes out. The information is everybody's information. 
So you got to entertain, you know, you've got to connect whatever it's about. Uh, and everybody has finds different ways to do that. But, uh, you know, I came along at a pretty opportune time for me, you know, and look, I probably would probably have a lot more success in some ways, radio wise, if I would do like LeBron, Tom Brady, LeBron, LeBron, Tom Brady, Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, LeBron, hour two, LeBron, 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 you know, like I could do that. I, but I'd probably go walk out into the ocean and fill my pockets full of rocks. Like I, you know, monotonous. I mean, to me, that's sound it's just death. Uh, so, you know, I like my obscure little corner of the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. You turn on like, 20, it's the 24-7 news cycle has come with sports. Like you turn on some talk show, it's like, oh, Kyrie Irving was like, he's fasting for Ramadan. What does this tell you about his character and his players? Like what? Like what? They really have to go into all this stuff? The stuff on the crawl, you know, sometimes when you see like what these guys are talking about and it's on mute. And it's like, you know, and I've worked those shows, you know, I work at FS1, you know, I don't, I don't work those shows anymore because they won't pay me to go in and do those. They pay me to call games, you know, which is a different discipline and a lot harder to be honest. Uh, and none of those fucking guys could do it. Uh, you put Skip Bayless on a game, his head would fall off. Shannon could probably do it, but uh, it's, it's embarrassing. The stuff they argue about the stuff they put on, you know, just the, the questions they ask, it's, you know, it's, I, I, I feel like I have to apologize for the whole genre. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's not my style. <laughs> yeah, James Harden at a strip club. What is it? Like all that stuff. It's just like, yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant claps back on Twitter. God, if I see one more claps back headline, oh, so obviously we talked about how far you've come as a radio host, broadcaster, all that. When you started your radio show though, how difficult was it? Like, did, was it, you, you didn't really have much experience. How was that? Oh, uh, I, uh, when I started the radio show, I was just like a mess and I felt stupid and I struggled. And I was alone doing it. And two minutes felt like 10. Uh, I mean, it was a real thing. Uh, I mean, 10 minutes, wait, yeah, no, two minutes felt like 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, I'd get done with all my stuff and I'd look up at the clock and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm on for three more hours, <laughs> you know? And I really struggled. And there was a producer who's now like an executive in Texas and a radio uh, company uh a guy named craig larson who was just this crazy chicago radio old school sports radio producer and we wrote a song together uh to uh to the you know a parody song you know like a morning show would do and uh it was about lamar odom and it was to the gambler and it was like you got to know lamar odom he rolls blunts and smokes them you know and, and uh we got the track and, you know, we laid over, you know, we, we produced a song, you know, we did it in like 25 minutes and we got all the sales girls and stuff at the station to sing background. And I played it on the air and people freaked out and 
it was like that moment, like, okay, you know, I can do whatever I want. You know, I don't have to sit here and read takes like Jim Rome and take calls on how great my takes were and then do an interview and then take calls on how great my interview was like, you know, we can do it different. And that was kind of the moment that I had that like sort of epiphany. That was some good singing. You consider adding a, being a singer to your repertoire? I've screamed my voice into oblivion and I can't breathe through my nose, Carver. So, but I love to sing on the radio and a lot of people hate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. And then another thing you do is you involve your, your father in your shows. Where did that idea come from? Well, if you've ever met my father, which I don't think you have, he's, uh, he's just, he's, I mean, I grew up in his shadow, uh, very much in his shadow. He's a larger than life character, especially, I grew up before the internet, you know, so we were all very, we, you know, and I'm still a very local person to this area, especially San Pedro, where our restaurant was. And he was a big, larger than life character, an old football star, and celebrities would come down at the restaurant and we'd serve him. And you know, he's good looking guy. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a giant in my life. So, you know, it, it always made sense to involve him in anything I did because, you know, most people know about him before they know about me. I mean, the most retweets and uh, stuff I ever get is stuff of pictures of him, <laughs> you know, so I know where my bread is buttered there. Uh, so it always seemed like kind of a natural uh, thing to do you know he's such a big character uh and uh yeah you know we it, it's you know he he's uh it's it's worked well over the years yeah another thing with your family so you your dad your whole family basically your whole family is tied to usc usc athletics like back to your grandfather i think but your brother played football at ucla uh-huh. awkward at like Thanksgiving no. guys gave him stuff or no? No, because I mean, you have to remember like what we were talking about earlier. It's just people, you know, like, I mean, to be fair, like I get along a lot better with UCLA than I do the USC. Like USC wants me to die in a fire. And, you know, I'm pretty good friends with Mick Cronin and I've had a close relationship with, with Chip Kelly for, you know, since he was an offensive coordinator in Oregon. So for me, it's very much just about people, you know, where they are, you know, after 20 years of doing this, you know, it, that changes and moves around. Uh, my brother, like UCLA was the first team to recruit me and I was ready to commit there. Uh, and then they pulled their offer because they said I had mental problems. Uh, I write, <laughs> which is fair. You know, there was about three teams that did that, but uh, uh you know, I would have gone there too, you know, is the point. Uh, when it comes to, and I think you've seen this with some of your friends, you know, when it comes to the next level and going and choosing a school, you know, a rivalry and, oh, I've never rooted for them. All that stuff goes out the window, you know, uh, my brother, and my brother didn't last, my brother was too smart, you know, he didn't last long playing football there. He played, I think about a year and a half and uh, graduated early and took off for Japan and Germany and uh, spent a lifetime, it felt like, abroad. He's back now and married, but uh, he, he got out early and he was the smartest one of any of it. 
<laughs> uh, well, yeah, the rivalry stuff, I just imagine, as a player, it's probably different than as a fan. Like, we look at that stuff like... Well, when you play in college, you want, like, it's weird, you know. The NFL is a great level of football, but they really do take care of each other physically in a way that we don't in college. In college, I don't know that guy from Arizona State. I'm going to kill him. You know, I mean, that, you know, and in high school, it's kind of that way, too, because you're just young. And uh, so there's a real violence in the game, especially towards people's legs that you don't have at the NFL level. And I mean, those games, UCLA and USC are dipped in hatred when you're playing, when you're playing. Now, when you're done, you know, I mean, I see those guys. And we hug like brothers, you know, because we've been through something together. Uh, it's not like, you know, F you, you lose, you know, the guys that still hang on to that stuff, I feel bad for. Because, you know, there was a time to do it. Your time happened. It's over. Now it's someone else's time. You know, let the kids play. Let the fans enjoy the rivalry. But I've always felt like I saw it on a higher level because, you know, once you're in the trenches with it, it, it feels different on the, on the other side. That makes sense. And also, you so you've called games, you've done radio, sideline reporting, you've hosted like TV shows like The Challenge more. Do you have a favorite out of all those things that you've done? Uh, two things I really like doing is uh, I like calling football games, whether it's color or this last couple of weeks I've done play-by-play for Valley uh, Sports, but it's been gratifying. I like doing that because in many ways you're able to take yourself out of the game completely and just try your best to make it about the players and, you know, talk about them and celebrate them because it's their moment, you know, that's their time. And that's my job. I like doing that because the contrast of it is the radio, which is so self-obsessed in many ways, you know, and, you know, it's a good balance because nobody likes a self-obsessed asshole. And you can really be that way calling a game too, you know? So it's a, you know, the, the, I like that balance because it helps to keep me in check. And then lastly, you, so you're looking at a young broadcaster, someone in sports media and a young athlete football player do you have a piece of advice can you give a piece of advice to each of those well I mean I think I already told you what I would say to the young football guy you know was take care of your body and use that school you know use that school to to your advantage uh no matter what school it is you know it could be uh you know uh Concordia or it could be Alabama but use them, find a way. And, you know, young broadcasts, you know, that's, that's a different deal now. Everybody, you know, that's a, it's so hard to break in. And then it's also really hard once you break in, you know, they want you to be unique, but they don't hire anybody unique. You know, like, I don't think that Fox would hire me today, you know, I think they'd hire, you know, some guy who just got off the field who, you know, like Rob Gronkowski or something like, you know, I've been grandfathered in for years because I do pretty good work, but, you know, 
it's very subjective. And one guy's favorite broadcaster is another guy's least favorite broadcaster, you know? Uh, you know, the guy that turns me all the way up on one side of the street is the other guys that mutes me because he can't take it, you know? Uh, and I understand that. I do that with people too. Uh, so, you know, you have to find a way to be unique within these people's structure. And it's not easy, you know, but there's still a lot of room for uh, innovation. You know, you look at what the Barstool people have done. You know, that's an East Coast vibe that I don't really relate with. Uh, but, you know, man, they've had success, you know, and that's a brand new way to skin a cat. And that's new, you know. So, you know, there's always ways to push forward. And uh, I think that that's a good way to look at it because doing it conventionally is not, you know, that's not working anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, friends, right. I'm sorry. We're going to go on a walk because that's what old people do. All right. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate yeah, it's my pleasure, dude. And you're a great kid. Thank and you. Thank you for, you asked insightful questions. I'm sorry if I talked too much. Have a great day. All right. You as well. Thank you.